Our Old Testament passage today picks up in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to David, to the soul of David. And David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now, I want you to notice, Jonathan was not disloyal to his family. Jonathan was not disloyal to his father. Okay, this, this is not disloyalty to his father. Now, now, you're going to have to understand, there are times that God will knit your soul to the future. And you're not being disloyal. You're being loyal to the future. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David. All right, this is a king's robe. This is royalty, okay? This is royalty. This is not a homosexual thing, folks. This is royalty. And his armor, and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. He, he recognized. He recognized the anointing over family, over family loyalty. Now, you're going to have to learn in life. You have to recognize the anointing more than blood. People say blood is thicker than water, and you know, that's their blood. But the anointing, the anointing, loyalty to the anointing must be stronger than loyalty to family. And Jonathan did this. Now, he fought at his father's side and died at his father's side. But he recognized David was the future. David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. So that Saul sent him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people. And also in the sight of Saul's servants. All, right, all the people and Saul's servants. As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy and musical instruments. This was the tradition. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. When Saul heard this, he was very angry. <laughs> this, this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David tens thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? Okay, okay, this is envy. And understand, though, David was more successful at war than Saul. David was more successful than Saul at war. There was an anointing upon him. He was the warrior king who was going to throw back all of the borders to the promised land according to Abraham. There was an anointing upon him. And David was more successful than Saul when it came to war. And people recognized it. And Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day, a harmful spirit from God. Now again, you know, these are all question marks for me. Rushed upon Saul. And, you know, you've you got to understand, folks. And he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre. As he did day by day, Saul had a spear in his hand. And Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pent David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. Now, I want you to notice something. 
when the anointing lifted off of Saul, he wants to destroy the one with the anointing. You're always going to find that people who have lost the anointing become destructive. Let's not let's call it people, let's call it leaders. Okay, let, let's call this leaders. Leaders who have lost the anointing become destructive because there's no life in them. And Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I'll pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the spirit was with him and had departed from Saul. So leaders who have lost the anointing, number one, become destructive. And number two, live in fear. They live in fear. They're afraid of people who have the anointing. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand. Okay, He demoted. Now why do you say demoted? Well, back up here and see. Um, put him over his men set him over the men of war. This is the army. Now he's demoted. Okay? And he went out and came in before the people. And David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. And this is something I look at with people. When, when a young pastor tells me, God spoke to me to do this, 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 and this, and you look around and a year or two later, you see nothing. You, you see no success. Uh, God's not with them. It's just a lie. When you, you have success in your undertakings, when God is with you. When Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. All right. So fearful awe. Now notice, up here, he's afraid of him. Okay. Up here, he's afraid. Verse 12, he's afraid. Now He's in fearful awe. Fear grows with success. People who have lost the anointing get more fearful because of your success. But all Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. Then Saul said to David, Here is my elder daughter, Merab. I will give her to you for a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, let not my hand be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. Now, have you ever wondered where David got the idea to kill Bathsheba's husband? David's source of idea to kill Bathsheba's husband. Now, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. Now, I, I want to bring this out to you, brothers and sisters. Negative circumstances can create bad ideas in your future. You can go through some things, how people treat you. And that will become a source of a bad idea in the future. So remember, good ideas have a source. Bad ideas have a source. And, and you need to get a hold of that one today. That's a great truth. 
And David said to Saul, Who am I, and who are my relatives and my father's clan in Israel, that I should be son-in-law to the king? At that time, when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, she was given to Adriel, the Maholathite, for a wife. Now Saul's daughter, Michael, loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. Saul thought, Let me give her to him, that she may be a snare for him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, You, now be my son-in-law. Now notice, a second thing is added. She may be a snare for him. And I want you to notice, Michael did become a snare for David, okay? She did. Remember the criticism of worship when he came in dancing before the Ark of the Covenant. Saul knew her attitudes. He said, I know this daughter of mine. She'll be a snare for him. And Saul commanded his servants, Speak to David in private and say, Behold, the king has delight in you, and all his servants love you. Now then, become the king's son-in-law. And Saul's servants spoke these words in the ears of David. And David said, Does it seem to you a little thing to become the king's son-in-law, since I'm a poor man and I have no reputation? And the servants of Saul told Saul him, Thus and so did David speak. Then Saul said, Thus you shall say to David, The king desires no bride price except a hundred foreskins of the Philistines, that he may be avenged of the king's enemies. So Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. When his servants told David these words, it pleased David. I can kill a hundred Philistines. Before the time had expired, verse 27. David arose and went along with his men and killed two hundred of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins, which were given in full number to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave his daughter Michael for a wife. And when Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, he saw and he knew two truths there. And that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. Saul became even more afraid of David. So Saul became David's enemy continually. Now, I want you to notice The fear, the fear continues to grow. Okay? Even more afraid. See, there's a truth that you're going to have to get a hold of. Your success is going to make people mad, and your success is going to make people afraid. So Saul was David's enemy continually. You're going to have to learn. The more afraid people are of you, the more they become your enemies. And you're going to have to learn enemies live in fear of you. It, it, it's amazing how people will act who make who, who consider you their enemy. They're afraid of you. And you're sitting there going, I wouldn't do anything to hurt them, but they're afraid of you. When people fear you, Don't think that they love you. Perfect love casts out fear. Never open yourself to those who fear you. They'll destroy you because they are afraid of you. So the commanders of the Philistines came out in battle as they often did. They came out, and David had more success than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was highly esteemed. Chapter 19, verse 1. 
And Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. All right, so Jonathan and to his servants, they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, Saul, my father, seeks to kill you. Therefore, be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself. I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak to my father about you. And if I learn anything, I will tell you. And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his deeds have brought good to you. Wow. Saul, but Saul was afraid of him because he'd lost the anointing. He couldn't see the good that David was doing for him. So he took his life in his hand and he struck down the Philistine. And the Lord worked a great salvation for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without cause? And Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan. Saul swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. And Jonathan called David. And Jonathan reported to him all these things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as before. And there was war again. And David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a great blow, so that they fled before him. Then a harmful spirit from the Lord, there's another one's question marks, came upon Saul. And he sat in his house with his spear in his hand. And David was playing the lyre. And Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he eluded Saul so that he stuck the door into the wall, spear into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. Here's a second attempt. Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch for him, that he might kill him in the morning. Now, remember, we're reading the psalm where this happened right now. But Michael, David's wife, told him, If you do not escape with your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michael let David down through the window, and he fled away and escaped. Michael took an image and laid it on the bed. Now, took an image. Now, notice, took an image. What's an idol doing in the house? Why is there an idol in the house? And put a pillow of goat's hair on its head and covered it with clothes. Then she sent Saul messengers to take David, and she said, he's sick. Then Saul sent the messengers to see David, saying, Bring him up here to me in the bed, that I may kill him. And when the messengers came in, behold, the image was in the bed with a pillow of goat's hair on its head. And Saul said to Michael, Why have you deceived me thus, and let my enemy go so that he escaped? And Michael answered Saul, He said to me, Let me go. Why should I kill you? And David fled and escaped, and he came to Samuel at Ramah, and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went out and lived in Naoth. He and Samuel went and lived. Fascinating. The anointing goes together. Anointed king and anointed prophet. And they went together. Where does someone with an anointing find help with another person with an anointing. Then Saul sent his messengers to take David. And when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing his head over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul and they also prophesied. And when it was told Saul, he sent other messengers and they also prophesied. And Saul sent messengers the third time and they also prophesied. 
Then he went himself to Ramah and came to the great well that is at Sekul. And he asked, Where are Samuel and David? And they said, Behold, they are at Naoth in Ramah. So he went to there to Naoth in Ramah, and the Spirit of God came upon him also. And he went and he prophesied until he came to Naoth in Ramah. And he too stripped off his clothes, and he too prophesied before Samuel, and lay naked all that day and all that night. Thus it is said, it's all among the prophets. <laughs> you know what? God can do what he wants to do. And here comes the king who should be able to kill anybody he wants. But then the Holy Ghost comes upon him, and he's prophesying. Now, that doesn't mean that he was right with God, but it meant that God was taking care of a situation. You know what? God can come upon bad people. God can come upon people who have lost the anointing because God wants to stay in control of a situation. Fascinating. Let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. Just the same. Come on and praise Him. Look what the 
Our New Testament passage today picks up in John chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now remember, this is about three kilometers outside of Jerusalem. This is where Jesus spent the nights uh, during Holy Week. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister said to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. So everybody knew he, he loved Lazarus. These were close friends. So Jesus, Jesus had friends. Jesus had people he cared about. And bad things happened to those people. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. This is not a bad sexual life. He, he loved this family, all right? Jesus loved a family. Spiritual leaders are always going to have people that they love, families that they love. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you going to go there again? <laughs> and Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of his, by the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I must go awaken him. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, here's an old truth. Sleep heals. Now, even in the ancient days, they understand if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. Your body heals while it sleeps. This is why doctors always tell you to sleep more if you're sick. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, though they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. <laughs> oh, Thomas. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. In the tomb, four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, so about three kilometers. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Faith. Faith. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So this woman was not of the Sadducees. She believed in the resurrection. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Title of Jesus. So here's part of this list. 
titles of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Wow. (laughs) Statement of faith by a woman of God. I believe that you are the Christ. Sadducees didn't say that. Sanhedrin didn't say that. High priest didn't say that. But this woman, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to get a hold of something here. In this woman's darkest hour, her brother has died. She's been crying for four days. She makes a statement of faith. And not the first. I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. If you'd been here, my brother would not have died. This is a third statement of faith. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, in the darkest hours, rather than always saying, God, why, 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 start making statements of faith. God, this is what I believe. I believe that you are the resurrection and the life. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe that you are my healer. I believe that you are my healer. For some of you that have been in hospital wards all alone by yourself, COVID-19, the only person that you see, you don't see them because they're in PPEs and even every inch of their skin is covered. But you've got your cell phone and I've talked with you at four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, some of you at midnight. And I've just begun to teach you to sing. Jesus, you're my healer. Jesus, you're my Savior. All I'm trying to do is in your darkest hour, let statements of faith come out of your innermost being. Let faith rise up in your heart. This is what this woman did. And when she had said this, he went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The the teacher is here and is calling you. And when she heard, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same words. These were women who believed in Jesus. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with him were also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Now some of you men, you were raised like me. Men don't ever cry. I was raised tough. Men don't cry. (laughs) It's amazing when you get to know Jesus, how he softens your heart. Jesus was a man's man. And when his friend had died and he saw the, the tears and the emotions of the two sisters, and he loved the family, 
he wept. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled, and he wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. Love can be seen. Some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have also kept this man from dying? Grabe talaga, critics. Even in the midst of pain and sorrow, there's always somebody who's got something negative to say. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. I mean, the body is going to be rotting, folks. And dead, rotting flesh smells really bad. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Now notice, do you remember what she said in her statement of faith? Whatever you ask God, God will give you. Tie those two together. They knew his walk with God. They knew his walk with the Father. I know that you always hear me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound in linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Now I want you to notice, miracles are a partnership. Man and God Man must believe, man must roll away the stone, man must unwrap. God raises the dead, okay? We do what we can do, and God does what he can do. Now, brothers and sisters, I've always looked at miracles like that. What is it that I can do? And I will do every part that I can do. And then God will do the part that God can do. I'll do the natural. God will do the supernatural. Why didn't God roll away the stone? He could have. But men must put works with faith. Well, Pastor, what is unwrapping them as a work with faith? Do you think anybody who knows that somebody has been dead for four days and rotting, putrefying flesh wants to go up and start taking the bindings off of somebody? Uh-uh. I don't want to touch that. Works with their faith. They had to roll away the stone. They had to say, yes, I believe he's been raised from the dead. I believe that there's no rotting, putrefying flesh on him. We'll unwrap him. We'll roll away the stone. God raises the dead. Amen. All right. Just a little bit more today before we finish up. Proverbs for some wisdom. Proverbs chapter 24, beginning with verse 10. 
if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. I like the NLT. If you fail in under pressure, your strength is too small. Folks, life has pressure. I'm so tired of people saying, I don't want any pressure. Life has pressure. You know, please forgive me, but you're not going to accomplish anything without pressure. There is adversity. There is pressure in life. And if you fail, if you faint, if you quit, if you give up, it doesn't mean that the pressure is too strong. It means your strength is too small. Rescue those who are being taken away. Hold back those who are stumbling into slaughter. In other words, save people. If you say, behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? Will he not repay a man according to his work? Now let me read you that NLT. It makes it really clear. Don't excuse yourself by saying, we didn't know. For God understands your heart and he sees you. He who guards the soul knows you knew. He knows you knew. He will repay all people as their actions deserve. You know, it's amazing how many people say, I didn't know, but they did. My son, eat honey for its good, and the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. What, what is wisdom to your soul? It's good. It's sweet. That's like what wisdom is to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Folks, wisdom is a beautiful thing. Young people, every day of your life, you should be praying for wisdom. Amen? All right, we're going to close out today. We'll see you tonight in the service. We're back to preaching about Paul's great prayer, and we're going to get into the end of that one prayer in Ephesians 3 tonight on the power that is at work within you. We'll see you tonight. 6.30.